welcome to the second installment of the Ohio High School Hoops Around the State podcast. I am your host, Kurt Stubbs. I'd like to first thank our friends at Anchor Podcast for giving us the opportunity to host this podcast, which is something I've wanted to do for quite some time. If you want to follow us, just download the free Anchor app and search for Ohio High School Hoops Around the State podcast, and you will be able to follow us. Our podcast will also be downloaded to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher, and other various podcast outlets. You can also check this out on Twitter and Facebook, where I'll be posting the link so that you can enjoy this journey with us. One note to the listeners, um, the Google um, Podcast, Apple iTunes, and Spotify may take a couple of days to uh, get downloaded to their site since we are a new podcast, but those should be up and running within the next day or so. So for our second installment, we are going to cover the southwest part of the state of Ohio. Um, our guest today is the owner and founder of Triple Double Prospects, uh, originally of Cincinnati Prep Hoops. He's also done some work for Rivals, uh, the UK site, UK site, the Xavier site. Uh, he runs his own business, scouting service, uh, AAU coach, and also doubles down as a pretty good poker player as well. Corey Albertson, how are you today, sir? Stubbs, happy to be here. Um, I don't know who gave you the scouting report on my on my poker game, but uh, I'm flattered nonetheless. You know what? Uh, I, I'm actually on a uh, on a private chat that uh, discusses that kind of stuff. So uh, I believe they, it. They told me you were pretty solid. Um, got, got one of those problems. Yeah, burner Twitter account. Uh, with here's, here's the problem here's the problem so during the winter you know i don't play a whole lot because i'm trying to go to these basketball games so everybody at the casino is probably just like like just having a laugh like oh we must have finally busted Corey. he must just be homeless from all the beatings we've put on him but in reality <laughs> i'm just you know trying to see some basketball games man but they're not buying that story you know what, man? You're like the, uh, you know, you're like the multi-sport athlete. You can't put all your time into poker. You've got other things uh, going on as well. So you can only be as good as you can be, doing as many things as you do. Um, the Deion Sanders of scouting. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, well, let's jump into this. Uh, we're going to take a look at some of uh, the games from uh, the past week, and these games were from uh, last Friday. First game I wanted to get into was uh, Cincinnati Moeller uh, runs its record to 11-0. They beat Cincinnati LaSalle. Uh, they did that behind Miles Deuce McBride and Alex Freem. Uh, here's a little history lesson for you. Moeller is 89-8 and over the past three and a half seasons. Uh, they won the state title last year. They finished runner-up in 2017. Uh, one point loss to Maslin Jackson, and then the year before that in 2016, semifinal, regional semifinal losers to Jerron Cumberland and Wilmington. Uh, Big Mo has won 31 straight games and has, hasn't lost an Ohio team since March 25th of 2017. That was the loss to Jackson. The last regular season loss to an Ohio team uh, came on way back on February 5th, 2016, a five-point loss to Elder. Corey, Coach Kramer has done some things at Moeller, has he not? It's it's unbelievable stuff. And the, the crazy thing is every year you're like, oh, they won't be as good as they were last year, and then they're better. 
and they adjust so seamlessly. You know, like when you look at the team that lost to Maslin Jackson, that was undefeated until literally the final two seconds of the state championship game. Um, that team had a certain style of play with their seniors. Last year's team was very athletic defensively, had a rim protector in Jackson Hayes. And then this year's team is completely different from that team. So it's, it's amazing what, what Carl's done over there, what his, what his team does. It's a next man up thing. And just the amount of quality players they have this year, you know, outside of Deuce, outside of Alec Freem, you know, that like third guy, there's a couple sophomores they have, there's a couple other kids, but it's just everybody just makes a contribution. And they're just by far the class of, of Cincinnati basketball, not this year, but uh, the last three years at least, and, you know, the majority of the last 20 years. You know, the one thing that's unique about Moeller, uh, and let's not kid ourselves, they don't lack talent, but Carl loves his seniors. And, and a lot of times at some of these bigger programs, you, you tend to play the most talented guys. And, and a lot of times at Moeller, the most talented guys aren't getting all the minutes because he loves those program senior guys um, that come up through – they work their butt off, and by the time they're seniors, they can really contribute to the winning tradition in Moeller. And, and they do that. And the other thing that they do really well is they don't rush guys who aren't ready. And, you know, like I knew like the seniors last year, Jeremiah Davenport and Jackson Hayes, I saw those kids play as sophomores in the junior varsity. And, you know, they were much, much more talented than the varsity kids, even at that age, but they weren't ready in some ways. But Moeller wants to be very detail-oriented in how they play on both ends. You know, Jackson and, and J.D. weren't ready. And there's a couple kids this year who are on the junior varsity team that talent-wise are varsity players would probably play varsity at almost anywhere else in Ohio. But, you know, Carl, I don't think, is worried as much about talent. He's worried about guys that are going to play his system. And when you look at, like, how many points they're scoring this year, if you look at, like, again, outside of Prime McBride and Freeing, if you look at their kids individually, you're like, well, these kids are good players, but nobody's a, you know, great all-American level player, but they just play so well as a team. And I remember, I think it was uh, 2017, and I don't really want to get into the game, but the state semifinal game uh, against Pickerington Central, I remember you making a comment and you said something to the effect of the best-looking player uh, – in the warm-up lines of this game will likely not play more than 10 minutes in the game. Uh, and you were referring to Jackson Hayes, and you told me flat out he wasn't ready yet. Uh, but fast forward a year, two years, uh, you're talking about a guy that um, could be a future lottery pick. And they've got another kid right now. I don't think he's – he doesn't have quite the Jackson Hayes level talent. But they've got another kid on their junior varsity right now named Aiden Noyes, about a 6'5 sophomore forward. And he's kind of in that same mold where he's not quite ready. He's not really strong enough. He's got to learn some things. But, you know, when you look at warm-ups in terms of athleticism, ability to shoot the ball size, he kind of stands out. You know, that's the mold, that's the molar way. You know, they're always going to have some other guys coming up. And what, what's so, what makes them so good, what makes any program so good, obviously, is not just, you know, your seniors are going to win with them this year, but – you know, just being able just to fill in the next guy, the next guy every year. And that's what they've been able to do. And it's, it's been fun. You know, I everyone knows I'm a Deuce McBride guy. I played high school ball for 
for uh, his father for three years. And, you know, one thing I'm, I'm so proud of with Deuce is for all of his individual accolades, you look at the three-year record with him, and I know he didn't play a lot of games last year, but you look at the three-year record with him on the varsity and you can just see, you know, what how special of a player he is. Absolutely. And we'll get into Moeller a little bit more when we preview the games coming up uh, for this weekend. Uh, another game I wanted to touch on was Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy uh, defeated Cincinnati Christian 49-48. Um, Cincinnati or CHCA is the leader in the Scarlet Division of the Miami Valley Conference, and uh, Cincinnati Christian is the leader in the Gray Division. Cole Fisher led CHCA with 17, and Logan Woods had uh, 13 for Cincinnati Christian. Corey, are these uh, two teams that possibly could make some noise come March? Well, I know you want to talk about some small school teams that are flying under the radar, and I've got a couple teams I think are a little better than them, but they're good teams. And you know, I've played in that conference. That conference has some small school talent. Um, what CHCA does that's so interesting, and I know you know this, is they're, they're so, so good at football year in and year out. Right. And you kind of wait like for – you kind of wait like, man, they got to have some kids who can play basketball, too, just off of athleticism. And I know the Cole Fisher kid's having a great year. He's probably near 20 points a game. He's a football kid first, basketball kid second. And, you know, that's a good program. It's a good school. It's a good athletic community where they really support it. And I can definitely see them making a run. It's been tough in, in Cincinnati um, Division Three lately because, like, Roger Bacon, Purcell Marion, uh, my alma mater, Summit, really really good um that's only the case for really one school this year so um division three is a little bit i'm sorry deer park as well last year of course um it's been a little bit more lopsided but i think they'll have an opportunity um that league is interesting um since christian's obviously very good they're division four so that helps them in terms of tournament and then the other team in that um league that hasn't gotten talked about and will be eventually is seven hills they have a really good senior named bryce hill six five wing uh, son of the coach and they have another kid six five six six junior post curtis harrison who hasn't played yet this year he's got an injury but you know that league's fun to watch you got a lot of small school rivalries and um you know chca and and since christian are probably the class of the league right now north college hill was good last year they lost a couple kids to transfer, so those are probably the, the top two teams off the top of my head. You know, I'm actually kind of impressed before we move on to the GMC here. We went about 10 minutes, and you've already mentioned Summit twice. So let's keep the average up as we move through here. I, that's that's probably right about – once every five minutes is probably right about where we need to – you know we won the state title. In yeah, I, I heard that, actually. Yeah, I heard I, that. <laughs> So when we moved to the GMC, uh, a game that kind of caught my eye here, uh, Hamilton defeated Lakota East 65-62. Uh, Hamilton moved to 8-4. and four. Big Blue uh, can really score the ball behind senior uh, DeMarco Howard, who leads the GMC in scoring at about 21.5. Uh, Jalen and Trey Robinson can also score it. Uh, Corey, have you got a chance to see Hamilton yet? I watched them. I watched them play uh, at Princeton. Uh, they didn't have their best night. Uh, DeMarco Howard had a really, really good night. Um, other kids didn't have quite as good of a night. They're a little lost offensively outside of those kind of that big three, but that big three is really, really good. 
um, it was interesting. I'm, I'm not going to disclose the school that told me this, but I was talking to one of the coaches of um, in the GMC, and he told me, he's like, you know, we know the teams that are really good, and then there's Hamilton, and Hamilton every year you never know. And he's like, yeah, they always have talent. They've always got some problems to go with that talent. And, you know, maybe this year they break break loose. And they've had some up and down moments. Uh, DeMarco Howard missed a couple games. So there's some inconsistencies with their results that you probably wouldn't see. They also have a new head coach. But Hamilton's got talent. Um, DeMarco Howard is a kid I've been trying to tell a lot of junior colleges about. Like, he's really explosive. He can really, really score. Uh, he can really defend. He's got a great, strong body. So, he, he's a talented kid. Uh, Trey Robinson's getting some contraction as a junior. And Jalen Robinson's, you know, going to a Division two school in Northern State. Yeah, that, that GMC, uh, usually year in and year out in the middle of the pack, is really hard to figure out. I mean, you know, it's not surprising to see the second-place team beat the sixth-place team. Usually there's a team um, that is maybe a little bit head and shoulders above everybody, but I, I don't really see that this year. Do you see that? I preseason, I would have told you yes. Um, everybody was telling me how great Lakota East was. I know they're top kids. They're really good. They got off to a slow start with their season, had a couple losses that they weren't counting on, but they're really rebounding it now. Like they're seven and one in the conference. Um, Oak Hills is a really good team. Oak Hills is six and two in the conference, and East beat them twice, including last night. But now there's separation there because, unfortunately, for Lakota East, they have a really good six-seven junior named Alex Mangold that um, they just – I think he broke his tibia. He broke two bones um, in his leg. So he's going to be out for probably, I assume, the season. So Lakota East is losing him. That opens the league up more. The favorite in terms of talent is probably Princeton. The favorite in terms of where they stand right now at 7-1 is probably Mason. And I think we had this discussion stuff like – Mason, we never give him any credit preseason. Greg Richards, their coach, just won his 350th game. He never gets any recognition in the city, but they do a great, great job at Mason. They absolutely do. I mean, it, I mean, we can go back in, in the history of the last maybe 10, 15, 20 years, and they've, they've lost a lot of players to maybe a said Cincinnati Moeller, um, and they still keep it rolling year after year down there. He does a great job uh, coaching them up down there. Some other school, uh, other scores from Tuesday night we'll quickly hit on, and then we'll move into uh, this week's games – or Tuesday night's games, I'm sorry. Uh, from last Friday, Taft uh, beat Cincinnati Aiken 71-52 in a CMAC game. Taft, the Senators remain undefeated. Uh, and then in the G-Walk down in the Dayton area, uh, Springfield, who appears to be playing uh, pretty good basketball right now, knocked off their rival Wayne 72-58. Uh, Trotwood continues to score a boatload of points. They put 94 on a very good Vandalia Butler team and got an 18-point win in that game. Now, on Tuesday night, uh, which was last night, a game that you were at uh, after much debate, Cincinnati Purcell Marion takes <laughs> down, takes down uh, Cincinnati Wyoming 58-40. to uh, Purcell Marion is now 10-2. They have currently uh, they are currently riding a ten game winning streak. Uh, Wyoming that was their first loss of the year. Wyoming of course is coming off of a state championship in football. Uh, Evan Prater and Joey Edmonds a big part of both teams. Purcell uh, I think 
uh, if I'm not mistaken, is starting to get healthy, maybe peaking at the right time. Um, Corey, do you think uh, do you see this Purcell Marion team uh, could possibly make a run at that D3 title? Absolutely. And I mean, like I saw Luther in East, who I know is ranked very high in Division Three. I saw them in Cleveland a couple weeks ago, and them and Purcell would be a heck of a basketball game. And, you know, you look at Purcell, like they're 10-2, and two, okay. Well, they lost their first two games. One of them they lost by a couple points at Chaminade Julian in Dayton. Ridiculously tough place to play, and CJ's got a really good team. The other game they lost, they lost by one possession, two or three, um, at Cincinnati LaSalle Division One school, and they were missing guys with injuries. So they easily could be undefeated or 11-1 and one instead of 10-2. and two. And you look at some of the teams they've beaten that are good. They beat Hamilton Baden. They beat um, Richard Fenwick. They beat Cincinnati St. Xavier, Cincinnati Elder, who are a Division One team. So they're really good. Last night's win over Wyoming was definitely – probably their most notable win so far, given that Wyoming was 9-0 and and ranked top five or so in Division Two in the state. Um, they can just really, really press you. They've got some depth. They've got some guys that can score. And they've got kids. They've got two seniors in particular, Alex Dotson and A.J. Garrett, that have always had the talent and just been kind of like a step away from really hitting their peak. And those kids are playing great this year. And the Javante Lions kid can really score the ball. Has been doing that for years, so I would be very surprised if Purcell isn't in the mix towards the end of the tournament. Yeah, you know it. You, you know it has to be a big game, not only when you're in the building, but when uh, Anthony Garcia was also in the building last night from Prep Hoops Ohio. Shout out to Prep Hoops. We had a big uh, time. Uh, we had a big time three man rotation sitting at half court. It was, it was Garcia, myself, and and the legend, Bubba Walker. That's a big-time trio right there. Huge three. I kept asking Bubba, better shooter, Bubba Walter, Joey Edmonds, and uh, Bubba, Bubba's standing firm that it's him. Oh, I wouldn't expect any less. The other game um, I wanted to get into from Tuesday night was Dayton CJ, a uh, team that you just uh, mentioned. They beat Kettering Alder 82-50. to uh, CJ is now 11 and one on the year. Uh, Alter goes to seven and seven. Interesting thing about this game, the Eagles uh, beat Alter at Alter by five in mid-December and had very little trouble last night. Um, Corey, Dayton CJ under Coach Staley has a, I think they have a chance to make a run in, in D2. And senior Milt Gage, I know, who is averaging close to 18 a game is a kid that you really like. Well, yeah, Milt played for me in AAU, and, and, you know, well, I really kind of was like the GM of the team. Uh, my friend Ramel Salone coached it more than I did, but Milt was our point guard. He's just a really, really tough kid. He's a kid you're going to win with, and um, really, really happy to see what they've done. His father kept telling me over the summer, um, I, I know they played some really good teams at some team camps, and he kept telling me, like, listen, we're going to be way better this year, and, you know, I wasn't sure, but uh, it's, it's proven true, and they're Staley – they always win. I was surprised they scored 82. I don't think they've scored 82 in two games before, let alone one. But, um, you know, they did that against Alter last night. It, it, this, this win doesn't surprise me. The margin certainly does. Uh, I know Alter's been a But I'm interested to see how CJ performs at flying to the hoop. Uh, they're going to play Akron Bookstall. And uh, they're going to be in the mix in D2. And D2, everybody loves, you know, as good as these teams are, Everybody loves to talk about the Cincinnati Publix and Taft and Hughes and Aiken. 
uh, not as much this year, but in past years, Woodward. Everybody loves to talk about Trotwood Madison and Dayton Dunbar and Dayton Thurgood Marshall. But with CJ moving to D2 and Alter in D2, those teams are dangerous. Wyoming's dangerous. D2 has always been over the last seven, eight years, the interesting region in Cincinnati and the ter- Cincinnati Dayton in the tournament. And I think this year, more so than ever, you know, Taft and Troutler are the favorites. But CJ's discipline, those guys, they can give them trouble. Yeah, I, I would agree with that just on uh, style of play, coaching. Um, CJ's been there before. J- Coach Staley's got a lot of big wins in his career. So I'm interested to see uh, what CJ does in the tournament. And like you said, interested to see what they do against Bookdale this weekend. A uh, couple other scores from last night that uh, caught my attention out of the G-Walk. Uh, Fairmont, a team that will be – uh, at the flying of the hoop, obviously they are the host school. They always play on Friday night. Uh, they beat Fairborn last night, fifty-six to fifty-four, and then uh, Brooke Cups's Centerville Elks take down Cincinnati Saint Xavier, fifty-seven to forty-one. I'm not sure you're going to find a better six and five team than Centerville. Uh, they're they're not a team that you want to play against, and I'm not saying that that, that they're going to beat everybody in the state, but they're a team that they are really going to grind you out. And you know that you're going to play against a well-coached team when you play the Elks. If, if look at the teams that Centerville's lost to. They've lost a good team. I know they lost to Moore. I know they lost to Trotwood. I'd have to look at the rest of them. But, yeah, they're, they're, they're a very good team. They're well-coached. And, some of the, some, you know, the, the G-Walk can be very deceiving in, in terms of strength of schedule. You know, Wayne, Trotwood, Centerville, Springfield are going to play a tougher schedule than some of the other teams. So, no, Centerville, hopeful, well, I don't think hopeful, I think guaranteed. Coaches are going to reflect that when they do the um, the bracketing here in a couple of weeks because they're, they're, they're a good basketball team. And then you touched on Fairmont and Fairborn, and they're good teams as well. Um, haven't seen Fairmont. Excited to see them Friday night. Got to watch Fairborn play Springboro. They've got a really good guard. I know you want to talk about Sean Monroe. But, uh, yeah, the Dayton area is very balanced this year. Wayne's not quite what they were in terms of talent Trotwood's division two so division one's wide open and Centerville easily end of year could be that that best team from the Dayton area division one and one thing you always know about Fairmont uh, they are going to play probably the best game of their season uh, in front of the flying to the hoop crowd on that Friday night they they usually tend to play a little bit over their head that night Uh, so sometimes they can give you a false sense of how good they are but they always do play very well on that Friday night. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All right, let's bump into the games coming up this week. Um, This is really in no particular order. Try to maybe keep it into the days of the week order. Uh, Hamilton Baden, a team from the GCL uh, co-ed, 10 and 2, kind of flying under the radar. They're going to be at Bishop Fenwick, 7 and 4. Baden is a team that has lost – at Purcell, and they lost a two by to Cincinnati McNick. Justin Pappas, a 6'5 senior, is starting to turn some heads a little bit. What can you tell us about Baden, Corey? Well, Pappas is your type of guy, Stubbs, the football guy. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I'm supposedly he's a very good player, um, and he, you know, he gets his work done on the inside. That's a good, that's a good little basketball game. Um, I've seen Bishop Fenwick a little bit on huddle. Um, familiar with two of their, their kids in uh, sophomore AJ Bronze, about six seven and about six four six five senior uh, forward CJ Napier, both very very good players in that league. Uh, also watched them on film against uh, Purcell when I was making some highlight videos. So 
Fenwick's got some talent. Um, I wanted to go last weekend, and I got snowed out of it. But uh, that's that should be a good game. That's a rivalry game when you look at you know Hamilton community versus Middletown community, and Baden's another team. Like you know they 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 haven't maybe had a ton of tournament success, but every year Baden you know they're gonna be successful in that GCL um, co-ed division, which is always tough, and they're gonna win you know fifteen sixteen games and. Division three, you know, they're a team that people are afraid of early in the tournament. Yeah, I would, uh, I would tend to agree with that. That's why I brought Baden up. It seems like in that GCL co-ed, there's always a, a surprising team. You know, last year, last year was McNick. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. McNick was pretty good last year. This year, Baden. Uh, and then you're always going to get your teams that are usually at the top of the list. Uh, we well, might- it also, it also matters. You know, this year, like if you look at those programs in that in that league, I think you like if somebody not from my area looked at that, they would say, "Oh, I know Purcell, Roger Bacon, and Chaminade." And last year, you know, Bacon was down and Chaminade was down, so the league was more wide open. This year, with Purcell being really good and Chaminade being really good, maybe a little more closed in terms of the top talent. Roger Bacon's still a little down, but, you know, Baden, Fenwick, and even McNick this year, you know, who doesn't have a ton of talent, everybody's finding wins somewhere. Yeah. Um, A game you touched on earlier a little bit, big game in the GMC on Friday, Lakota East 9-3. and at Mason 11 and one, this is for first place currently in the GMC uh, Mason under coach Greg Richards, uh, just one loss. That was to Oak Hills by four uh, senior Landon long and six, two junior Jack Cooper lead the way Lakota East, just three losses. As we mentioned, St. X by three, they lost the undefeated Dublin Kaufman and a three point loss to Hamilton. Lakota East is coming off a 22 point win over Oak Hills, which is the only team to beat uh, Mason, Corey, how do you see this one playing out? Well, like I said, with the injured Alex Mangold, I think that's the factor. Um, if if Alex was playing, I would say Lakota East slight favorite. Both teams are really going to guard. Both teams are going to be methodical at times offensively. And then Lakota East just has a couple more guys that can score. Um, given Mangold's injury, now Mason's got a huge size advantage. They've got some bigger kids and. You know, they're going to slow that game down to their pace. It's very tough to win at Mason Arena. So, I think Mason has a slight edge. But, you know, I wouldn't be shocked by any means Lakota East won. And speaking of Lakota East, they're going to be um, involved in a big game again on Sunday against undefeated Moeller. Uh, Moeller is playing a rare back-to-back-to-back this weekend. And none of those games will be played at home, to my knowledge. The Crusaders are at the pit on Friday against conference uh, rival Elder. Then they're going to play Maslin Washington in a rare 5 p.m. start on Saturday. So saying Mo can get by those two, uh, it'll set up a matchup with Lakota East, who's going to be a little bit shorthanded, as you mentioned, on Sunday. Uh, Mike Price found a way uh, – or I'm sorry, Lakota East found a way to beat Mike Price's squad by 22 Oak Hills the other night. Uh, Will Johnston came off the bench to knock down six threes, uh, totaling 27 points. But without Mangold, it will probably be tough sledding against Big Mo this weekend. 
Yeah, I think it probably would have been either way, but it really will be more. Like you said, there's there's a variable. And I, I talked to a couple of their coaches the other night. They said the same thing with having to play three nights in a row, especially play in Cincinnati, go three and a half hours up to Maslin, then come back and play 25-plus miles from home um, in kind of Lakota East Territory to an extent at Middletown on Sunday. So, um, th- yeah, there's some factors there to maybe go in Lakota East uh, direction. But with East injury, I think Moeller just has a little bit too much for him. Um, but Moeller's got a tough stretch. You know, they they had their game against Purcell Mary and got snowed out last weekend. And, you know, as, as good as they are, this is kind of a defining weekend for a lot of teams, but really for them. And, you know, can they – it's kind of a tournament atmosphere where you're going to play a lot of games in a lot of days here. Yeah, I'm not sure I've really uh, seen too many teams play uh, three straight games uh, over the course of a weekend, especially all on the road. Uh, but if anybody is equipped to do it, this Moeller team is certainly capable of coming out unscathed in that three-game stretch. Moeller's uh, got a lot of depth. And, you know, for, for a team that only played five guys, I would say it's a bigger factor than for Moeller, who can play probably nine guys. Yeah, I was looking at their uh, box score. I think it was from the LaSalle game, a game they obviously won pretty handily. It looked like they had. It looked like there was thirty-seven guys in the box score for Moeller. Between that and um, they have more more coaches than players, so um, yeah, they need about three buses to get where they need to get. And um, I don't know. It's it's an interesting. It's an interesting situation over there, but it's obviously a formula that works. Will Carl be wearing the uh, cutoff? Uh, windbreaker vest yeah you've got sweater vest carl or you've got pullover carl and i mean windbreaker carl's been very successful lately but back to back to back sunday he's gonna have to bring out that vest i don't see, I don't see what other option he has i told petrus that um last year in the state in the state final carl came out with the vest but i said someone's got no chance bud <laughs> and they didn't they they had no chance that night uh I know this is probably a game that you're uh, pretty excited to see uh, the results of on Friday night. So we'll double down on Taft here uh, on Friday night league game. Uh, first place on the line, Cincinnati Taft 10 and 0 at eight and two Cincinnati Hughes. Uh, the senators uh, played since, or the senators played uh, Hughes early in the season and beat Hughes 62 to 54 uh, Nakai Smith had 20 and Krishan Stringer had 15 for Taft. Freshman Paul McMillan, who arguably could be the, one of the top freshman scorers in the state, he led Hughes that night with 40. Paul's had a 40-plus point game this year. Who's, Hughes is looking to draw, draw even in this series this year. Uh, you think they can get this done, Corey? Um, they have a chance. I would, you know, being that it's at Hughes, it's really hard for teams to win at Taft. Especially, you know, Hughes is getting better as the year goes on because, you know, they went to the regional final last year, but they played five kids last year and they were all seniors. So even though Paul McMillan's a freshman, he came in with as much experience as anybody else on that team. So they're getting better. You know, they had a ridiculous schedule early where they played Moeller, they played Taft, um, they lost another game out of state to somebody really good. So uh, Hughes is getting better. McMillan can really score, but Taft is just good. I think Taft is the second best team in Cincinnati after Moore, regardless of division, you know, Taft's division two. What's impressed me about Taft is 
I know that they're going to do well in the games against Aiken and Woodward, and they don't play Withrow anymore, but Withrow, where it's a City League-style basketball game, they're always going to do well. But Taft beating Covington Catholic in Kentucky, um, them beating Deer Park, them beating Owen Tangy, um, just the way that they've been able to play at different speeds and really adjust. Those kids, Deshaun Stringer, um, DeMarco Bradley Jr., those kids have been playing basketball at this level for so long that, you know, it's really showing this year. And that's why I think they've got an advantage over Hughes, where Hughes might have arguably slightly more talent, but Taft just has so much experience and then just bigger, stronger, more developed bodies at this stage in their careers. Yeah, you look at Krishan Stringer and uh, DeMarco Bradley Jr. Those are two kids, like you had mentioned, they've been playing basketball for a long, long time against not only the state's top competition, but you're talking about kids that have played against the best players the country has had to offer and have been very, very successful against those. Uh, Krishan Stringer, also known as Grown Man, uh, is a Toledo football kid. DeMarco Bradley Jr. can really run a team. Uh, I really like this Taft team, and they're going to have to be good again on Sunday, they're playing a team in Dayton Stivers at Trent Arena at the Fly to the Hoop. It's 11 and 1. Coach Felix Turner over there at Stivers has, has got some a really good thing going. This team is led by a quartet of juniors and Ivan Spears, Trayvon Ellis, Doug Spear, and Dewan Allen, along with talented sophomore Allen Lattimore. Corey, you think uh, does the Stivers pose uh, a threat to Taft's unbeaten streak? Absolutely. And Stivers is going to be so grateful to be in a flying to the hoop situation where Taft gets more exposure in big events. You know, Taft's played in a lot of big events. So Taft, I know they're going to be ready to play Friday. They play Hughes. I mean, that's, you know, the biggest city league rivalry over the last four or five years since Withrow left that conference. So we'll see if they can kind of get back up again on Sunday and be ready to play. Stivers is good. Uh, Stivers last year when um, Deer Park won the Division Three tournament, Stivers had Deer Park beat through three quarters and maybe midway through the fourth quarter with all young kids. This year, those kids are still young. They're juniors and a sophomore. But uh, in particular, I think Trayvon Ellis is really good on the wing and Alan Lattimore is really good at the point guard position. And regardless of who wins on Sunday, um, Stivers is a huge threat in the Division Three state tournament. And I, they will give Taft a game. They're not going to back down from the pressure of Taft. They got a lot of guards, so it'll be it'll be a very good basketball game. I think you hit the nail on the head with Taft playing uh, Hughes on Friday night. That's obviously a huge game. Like you mentioned, they will definitely be up for that game. The one thing that I don't doubt about Taft is, though, unlike a lot of teams, with when you got Bradley and you got Stringer and you got guys that are veterans like that and DeMarco Sr. coaching the team, I would be highly shocked if they aren't motivated again and ready to go on Sunday. Well, let me also say that Taft, those kids like Marco and, and Grown Man and some of the other kids, even if they didn't play a lot, they've been to Trent Arena because that's where they played the Division II regional tournament. So they've been there before. They've played in that arena. They know what it's about. You said that experience. And then the last thing with Taft, real quick, that I wanted to mention I forgot was um, – they're really, really shooting the ball well. They got a couple of kids, and that's kind of what they do is come in and shoot. So if Taft loses one of those games or if they lose a game later in the season, I think it'll be if those kids cool off. If they keep shooting the ball the way that they are shooting it right now, 
I would think they're a favorite to get to a regional final where they would more than likely face a team like Troutwood. That's interesting you mentioned that because when Cincinnati tapped, uh, blew the doors off of everybody and won the state championship with that great group they had with Mitch, with uh, Dee Dee and, uh, and little uh, O'Berry. Uh, that team had some guys that could knock down shots. Uh, Jalen Lowe. Jalen Lowe. Uh, a lot of – and another, it was another group of guys that had played together for so long and yet you could tell that every time they took the floor, no matter if the team like um, Hamilton Southeastern, a team they played that year who was much, much more talented than they were basketball-wise, they could go toe-to-toe with those teams because they trusted in each other. Well, and that was the year that – that was my first year covering it, and Cincinnati was loaded that year with the best of since I've been covering it. And LaSalle won Division One, and Taft continually used to beat up LaSalle when they would scrimmage in the fall. Yeah, so, you know, I I think we both look for for Taft to make a lot of, regardless of what happens this week, a lot of noise in the Division II tournament. Uh, Two teams that we mentioned that that are going to be right there in the thick of things in Division III. This is a rematch from a last year regional game. Cincinnati Purcell Marion at 10-2, which we mentioned earlier, will face a team in Deer Park with a matching 10-2 record. Both of these teams are riding winning streaks. Uh, obviously both teams could be playing late into March in Division Three. Deer Park is the defending state champions in Division Three. They're riding a six-game winning streak, and they only have a loss to unbeaten Taft by seven and once beaten Wyoming by just a point. Interesting to note, Deer Park beat Purcell in overtime in the regional semis a year ago. This game has Corey Albertson written all over it. Well, it's a tough game for me because both of the coaches are actually really good friends of mine. And no matter where I sit, who I sit with, I'm going to get accused of being biased by somebody. But um, Scott Kerr, the coach at Purcell, I think every night before he goes to bed, shoots 100 free throws just himself. Because, <laughs> you know, I hate, you don't want to take anything away from Deer Park, but if Purcell Marion shoots 50% from the foul line against Deer Park last year, they win. And um, so there's a lot of motivation on the Purcell side to avenge that. Uh, Purcell's playing great basketball. And Deer Park's got some problems. Um, You know, they're not what they were last year. They're very good, but they're not what they were last year. Uh, Joe Hawker uh, is committed uh, to play football at Florida Atlantic. He's out right now as an injury. He will not play. Um, It's been kind of well-documented in Cincinnati that Mark Wise, who's their best scorer as a junior, um, he's got a little nagging injury. He's going to play, but he's not quite a hundred percent. So, the thing that is going to make it tough for excuse me, the thing that's going to make it tough for Deer Park is that they play so few guys, and Purcell just press, 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 eight, nine guys deep. Um, that's going to give Deer Park trouble heading into the fourth quarter. So, they're going to need Mark Wise to be really, really good where there's no scouting report needed. The kids know each other. Uh, Steve Gentry Jr., Deer Park point guard, actually started his career at Purcell. So uh, it'll be a fun, emotional game uh, at the minimum. it's gonna There's going to be some, uh, some antics in that game, in my opinion. You mentioned uh, Mark Wise having a nagging injury, but I think Joe Hawker, him being out, is just as big, if not bigger. I love the way Hawker plays. He's huge. Yeah, he just he just knows what he is, uh, and he gives Deer Park that toughness, some rebounding. He can score inside when he gets it. 
he had a great state tournament last year. Uh, and I think he is a huge loss for, for Deer Park. You could argue that he was the MVP of the state final four for them last year. You could easily, oh, I, yeah, I would buy that. You could easily argue that. I mean, he literally had to average 15 rebounds a game last year and he's played well this year when he's played, but, um, yeah, they, they, ha- they have less guys. And then for him, for to lose any key piece is a killer for them, given their lack of depth. But losing Joe really hurts. And it really hurts against Purcell because Purcell's got athletes. A.J. Garrett, 6'6", Alex Dawson, 6'4", Javante Lyons is just an animal. Brian Wara plays a lot for them. He's 6'6". So one of the things that Purcell does best is go get their misses off the rim. And when you take Joe Hawker out of the game, that really opens the door for a kid like A.J. Garrett to have a big game. I know it's early. It's still mid-December. But I usually start to get a, a sense of, of teams that you get a good feel about. There's just something about Purcell Marion that tells me that, that they have a really good chance of winning this whole thing this year. That They're, just, they're the team that just keeps sitting on my mind that, that can win it all in Division Three. Fun fact. Everybody said that about them a couple of years ago, and uh, they ran into a team called the Summit Silver Knights in the regional <laughs> semifinal, and uh, that was the end of their season. I don't know if they're going to have to worry about that this year. No, they're good. They're, yeah, right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's bump, let's bump up to the, uh, another game at the fly of the hoop here. Uh, Springfield eight and three against uh, one of our favorites, prolific prep, uh, prolific prep out of uh, Napa Valley, California, an awful place to live. Uh, Springfield with just three losses on the year. Two of those losses came to undefeated Pickerington Central and undefeated Hilliard Bradley out of the Columbus area and, ob- and also lost to uh, Upper Arlington, another team, a suburb of Columbus, so I think has maybe just two losses. Uh, prolific prep will be a major challenge uh, for a pretty good Springfield team. Um, prolific prep led by the junior guard, Namari Burnett, who's one of the better scorers in the country. Corey, you think uh, Springfield will play well. There, there's no doubt about it in front of the, the Dayton fan base down there. But where do you see this game going? That's what I was going to say about Springfield is, is their best attribute usually is their fan support especially in Dayton, they are tough to beat. Um, they really compete. They're kind of a nasty team, and that, that's, they want to be the intimidator. Um, figuring out if they're going to play well offensively, you need a Ph.D. in basketball. You never know. Uh, there's games where they're great, and there's games where they're just brutal to watch. Um, this year they've got a lot of – so they always have a lot of talent. This year they've got a lot of talent. They're a team where, like, there's not necessarily one defined guy that's going to score a lot. It's, you know, who has a good game. Uh, senior Raheem Moss is a football basketball kid. He's really athletic and tough, really good high school basketball player. Uh, junior guard Larry Stevens can really score the ball in bunches. Um, so I think they'll have a chance. I'm going to be honest, I'm not extremely familiar with prolific prep, but I would think just generalizing off of those prep academies that Springfield's probably going to be a little hungrier to win that game. And, uh, that should be it. Should be a fun game because regardless of who prolific prep uh, brings out there, Springfield's going to have the raw athletes to match him. Prolific prep is one of those schools, and not all prep schools, but you got to check the waiver wire at least a couple times a week to make <laughs> to, to see who 
you know, who's coming and who's going, but you know that uh, Namari Burnett, a kid out of Illinois, uh, will be there, and they will be very good. They will be very talented, and they will be a big uh, – yeah, they, they, they will be good. They will be a uh, they will be a tall order for Springfield. Now, Corey, this is a part of the show. One of my as we move forward here, this is one of my favorite part of the show. We look at some top performances, performers, and some hot topics and things like that. And the one thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, I know we talked a good bit about Cincinnati, but in the G Walk, which is your kind of your Dayton Dayton area, your Super League. With so you're, many you're, yeah, I mean, you need you need a um, a dictionary or a a full lineup to to know who you got to have a constant roster well, of who the teams are in there. It's basically four leagues. It's basically four divisions inside a huge league, but it's very much like the OCC in Columbus, right? So in the G Walk, um, and scoring is not up everywhere because shooting the basketball is still at a premium, but. You've got guys like Samari Curtis, who's going to be going to Cincinnati. Uh, 32 and a half a night, he leads the G-Walk. He led the G-Walk last year at over 30. He's from Xenia. Uh, Amari Davis at Trotwood, um, who is now the Trotwood Madison all-time leading scorer, which is saying a lot. He's close to 28. A kid you mentioned earlier, Sean Monroe, close to 26 from Dayton Fairborn, kind of came out of nowhere. And then Andre Gordon, uh, a kid that played at Sydney uh, his first three years also was a pretty good football kid. Not pretty good, real good football kid. Transferred to Huntington Prep. Uh, and then before the season, he came back to Sydney uh, after he committed to Virginia Tech. He's at 23 and a half a game. And then you got Trotwood as a team who is just angry at everybody in the G Walk uh, as they did not vote them back in. They are just scoring the ball at will. They've put up 138. They've put up 133. Four times they've been over 100. A plethora of times they've been over 80 and 90. What is going on in the G-Walk? Well, I think the G-Walk, when you look at the schools that you mentioned, is always really high scoring. Now, when you look at um, Fairmont, when you look at um, – I had another one on the tip of my tongue and I lost it. Centerville. Centerville. When you look at Fairmont and Centerville, you don't necessarily see this style of basketball. But when you look at, at Springfield, at um, Wayne, at Trotwood, they tend to play fast. They tend to score a lot. And then you look at, like, with Sydney and, and Xenia, with Samari and, and Dre, you, you have a team that's got one kid that's going to provide a lot of their offense. Same thing with uh, Sean Monroe at Fairborn. And year in and year out, you see kids – in the G-Walk, putting up big numbers. Um, and, you know, sometimes people will question the competition. But what's interesting is if you look at, like, the Trotwood kids, like, they're in a really good division of that league. So the scoring is up. Um, the talent is a little up in terms of individual. The teams might not be quite as good. Wayne's not quite what they were. Um, you know, Centerville is good. They're not, you know, great, great. Um, Springfield, same thing. But the individual talent with Samari Curtis going to Cincinnati, with Amari Davis being Division One, Andre Gordon going to Virginia Tech, Carl Blanton at Trotwood's a really good player. Um, Ryan Hall at Fairmont's a good player. I mentioned Raheem Moss at Springfield. You just got a lot of kids that can score, and and those teams kind of follow what I'm big on in, in high school basketball. Um, you know, Brian Snow I tweeted it the other day. He said it's not an equal opportunity sport. 
you want your best kids to shoot the ball. And in high school, I'm a big believer in that because there's so few teams that have more than two or three guys. Sometimes it's one guy that can actually score the ball. And when you try and balance shots out, you're usually limited. But when you when you're Xenia and you let every Samari shoot every ball, well, it's going to be your best chance to win. I mean, look at what Luke Kennard did at Franklin, what Jaron Cumberland did at Wilmington, you know, things like that. Yeah, and I want to piggyback off that. I have always said that the best teams are always the teams that know who the best player on the team is. When you've got a team that they don't know who the best guy is and guys that are taking shots that shouldn't be taking shots and specifically taking shots away from guys like Samari and Dre, um, that is really going to lessen your chances to win when you're not all that talented in players two through six or seven. When Curtis and Gordon are shooting the ball, your chances of winning, even if they're missing, are a whole lot better. So knowing who the best guy on the team is is always the sign of a really good team. Yeah, absolutely. And then with Trotwood, the one thing about Trotwood is and you watch them play, even the game they lost was a 91-88 overtime loss to a rivalry game with Wayne, who's not um, Wayne uh, of the past, but obviously they're still pretty pretty solid They're always going to have players, right? They're always going to have players. Uh, Ronnie Hampton um, is leading the way for them this year. But the problem with Trotwood is, and we've seen this in the last couple years, in their semifinal game, Two years ago, they played St. V, uh, a team that they beat by 39 in the regular season in 2017, and then turn around and get beat in the semifinals by the same St. V team. And then last year, we get the state championship game that we want, St. V, Trotwood, and St. V just forces Trotwood like no other team can do to play in the half court because they get, they're big, they're physical, they're well-coached, and they can rebound with Trotwood so Trotwood can't get out and go on them like they can every other team. Well, the, the big, biggest thing when you play Trotwood, and this is the reason Wayne, despite not having Trotwood-level talent, was able to beat them, you got to get past the name on the jersey. And, and there's definitely teams in Dayton, Cincinnati, and other parts of the state where they see Trotwood and they're like, oh, my God, they're going to press us out of the gym. They're going to play transition. They're going to try and dunk on us. And when you can get past that, you've got a chance. And St. V's obviously not going to be scared of them. Um, that's why traditionally Taft has always played them well. Taft has the same mentality as that. And, uh, yeah, that's the question with, with Trotwood. If you can get them in half court, you've got a chance. And, you know, people feel different ways about things like shot clocks. But once it gets to tournament time, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that type of situation. But even that being said, Trotwood's not going to let you hold the ball. They're going to come after you. So they're dangerous because of that. But, you know, they do have a potential Achilles heel if you can slow them down. And I give a team like uh, Meadowbrook who comes from the Eastern district, who has never seen a team like Trotwood. I mean, in the sectional regular season district or the regional and they get to the state tournament. And, and I don't think that it, that they were so much afraid because they came out and tried to play uh, up tempo with Trotwood. And we both looked at each other and said, this isn't going to be good. Um, but you know, you know you're probably going to get beat, so you might as well continue to play the way you've played all season. It just so happens that the other team was maybe 50 points better than you. Uh, but Meadowbrook did not back down, which a lot of teams, when they get to that point, they get a little bit big-eyed, like you mentioned, when you play Trotwood, where Taft and St. V and some other teams don't do that, and that's why they're, 
outside of having the athletes and, and the bodies to compete, uh, they aren't big-eyed by Trotwood. Well, and it used to be like that in this area in Division Two with Dayton Dunbar. And, you know, Thurgood had a right. run, but Dunbar probably got the better of them over the years. Taft and Trotwood had runs. Hughes had good teams. But, you know, Dunbar was still big, bad Dunbar. And with, with them having really fallen off, Trotwood's done a nice job of picking that up and, uh, you know, running with it. All right. As we close the show here, um, I want you to give the listeners, um, especially our Southwest Ohio listeners and then our basketball junkies around the state, who are some teams in Southwest Ohio, we've mentioned quite a few, that are still flying under the radar that you think people should know about? Well, I pulled a TJ Petrus and I did some homework here, so let me pull it up. Um, TJ's an animal, by the way. I mean, that guy's an animal. He, he, he likes his basketball work. He sure does. <laughs> uh, we mentioned Oak Hills a lot. Um, Oak Hills, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, has no talent. And Mike Price has them at 9-3. and three. He has them at 6-2 and two in the league. Mason, who, Mason's only lost. They beat Chris, who's very, very good. They lost to Lakota East the first time by one possession. Yeah, they lost to him by a lot last night. But I just want to give them credit for what they've done. Mike Price is a hell of a job. Uh, we talked about Chaminade, even at 11-1. and one, I don't think they're getting enough respect. Uh, we talked about Purcell Marion, and as good as they are, as much as we talked about them, Purcell is not ranked in the state yet. Uh, they beat Wyoming last night. They play Alter Friday, and they play Deer Park Sunday. If they win, all, if they beat Alter and Deer Park this weekend and are not ranked, the AP people all should be fired. Um, but the two teams that I want to talk about that we haven't talked about that are deserving of some praise are – First, Turpin. And Turpin plays, we haven't talked about the ECC, the Eastern uh, Cincinnati Conference. Uh, traditionally, that league's going to be won by Withrow and Walnut Hills. Uh, Walnut's right in the mix this year. Withrow is uh, kind of having a weird year. They have not been good. Uh, Wynton Woods is not in that league, but he'll be back in that league. And those are what you think of with the basketball powerhouses. But Turpin has been great this year. They're 10-2. and two. They're 6-1 and one in that league. They've got a sophomore. Uh, would be a big-time Stubbs guy, 6'2 guard, Jackson Holt, really, really skilled kid. They got a senior that's just a firecracker. Um, Nick Haddad, really tough. They've got a 6'9 big, and they've got a young head coach, uh, Josh Sloan, who's doing a really good job. And if they hold off Walnut Hills and uh, West Claremont and Loveland are also in the mix, if they hold off those guys and win the ECC, I think they're going to get rewarded postseason. And then the other team that has gotten no love, and I understand why, is a Division Four team called Gamble Montessori, or a Cincinnati public team. And uh, this is the first year that the Cincinnati Metro Athletic Conference um, has gone to two divisions, a big school and a small school. And Gamble's the best team in the small school division, uh, so they are Division Four. They started off with a marginal record. They play a better schedule than most of those teams, but – since they got transfer Caden Warner eligible and that he was eligible to play the second half of the season and the tournament because he transferred before the school year ended last year. So he's not affected by the new rule. Uh, they're three and one with Caden Warner playing the one game they lost. They were winning at the end of the third quarter against Aiken. Caden's averaging North of 25 and um, they're really good in division four. They're not going to be ranked in the AP poll because most people haven't heard of them. And their record isn't is I think it's like they played a lot of games already. I think it's like nine and five. 
But Gamble Montessori has some good players. Caden Warner's really, really good. And they have no seniors. And uh, they'll be good this year. But next year, preseason, I would say, remember them for your top ten. That's great info on Gamble Montessori because Cincinnati is an area where you can overlook uh, Division Four because they have not historically had a whole lot of success outside of maybe Lachlan. And Lachlan George- when I played, yeah. And, and Georgetown is not really a, a Cincinnati school, but they're in the Southwest District. What are what uh, are you what are you doing here? So like like Lachlan was the team that we couldn't beat in high school, and Georgetown knocked me out of the tournament my junior and senior year. I, I went. I went for the jugular. Do, do you want? Do you want to mention OJ Mayo? Because that's the only <laughs> one you forgot. <laughs> but I, I am glad that you mentioned them because uh, that Cincinnati small school does not get a whole lot of love. It's usually your uh, far outskirts of Dayton, Shelby County league uh, no schools. Uh, but Gamble Montessori, as Mr. Albertson said, is a team to keep an eye on, uh, along with Cincinnati Turpin. And there, uh, one more thing on, on Gamble real quick. I mean, as good as Caden is, they've got other kids. And uh, their coach is Berto Allen. He was an AAU guy. He's really gotten into coaching. And Cincinnati High School, he's got the community really excited. And uh, that school is growing because it's a Montessori school. A lot of parents want to go there. So they're going to be a threat for years to come, especially if they keep attracting the level of kid they got right now. Well, we'll make sure we have our uh, grade book out for you on all the great information you've given us today. Make sure that you um, are continuing to pass at above an 80% with what you're telling us, which I know you will from knowing you for quite some time now. Corey, um, you delivered some great information for us today. Thank you so much for being um, on the Ohio High School Hoops Around the State podcast. I will see you in Dayton this weekend. I look forward to it as always, Stubbs.